You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. We are still in our series at the moment called Being Human, where we've been looking at lots of different aspects of being human, including things like we've had emotional maturity, which ironically I did, uh, the talk for that. Then we have, I think we've done self-awareness, we've done handling emotions, loads of different things, and all the talks for those are online. So if you've um, missed any, just go find us um, online. You can find us on Spotify, and the talks are on the website as well, because I think they go really well as like a set, and it'll be um, good to sort of miss uh, catch up on any that, that you've missed. But I think one of the things in sort of being human was quite often for me how, um, you know, some sort of talking therapy in terms of being um, a tool for self-awareness, um, a helpful thing and being human, how many times that came up. And in the planning of, of this series, there was no way that we could do a series without covering this. And I think maybe also in line with some of the stuff that we hope to do as Oasis, we try and cover things that perhaps the church hasn't done before. Um, it's really exciting to be able to do this on a Sunday, actually. So um, we're really thrilled to have these guys to be part of the conversation. So to start us off, I think it makes sense, doesn't it, just to sort of maybe go go down and just obviously, first of all, introduce yourself and tell us a bit about um, maybe your current role um, as a counsellor or whatever, you, if you call yourself that, and how you got into it, your background sort of in, into counselling. So my name's Jan Robertson, and I am the founder um, and CEO of uh, Focus Counselling Bath, and actually now Froome. We opened in Froome in September as well, which is going really well. Um, I've always had a passion for people. People call me a people's person. I love people. And um, the reason I got into it was somebody nearly 30 years ago said to me, Jan, you're a good listener. You should do something about that. And um, he became my mentor, and it all went from there. Um, it's been a really interesting journey with Focus. We've just celebrated 20 years. It's been hard work, but um, we've grown and grown, and we now deliver 10,000 hours of counselling per year, um, which is really about roughly about 200 people coming through our doors every week. Um, and we offer an eating disorder support group as well, um, and training and CPD. So it's very, very busy in the office, but um, I wouldn't do anything else. And my passion is really my faith, um, and my faith and being a person-centered therapist. And a person-centered therapist is someone who's all about relationship, um, unconditional positive regard, empathy, and just following that person's story wherever they may be. And I just think it's an absolute honor to be able to work with people, and I just think people are really brave who come and do their work with us. So that's me. Hi, I'm Helen. I am head of counselling along with Jan. I started at Focus about seven years ago as a trainee counsellor. I got into counselling really because I wanted to help people and I thought that counselling was a good way of doing that. Um, and I ended up going to Focus as a placement and I stayed there and um, so part of my role is I do a lot of assessments, so initial intakes with people. Um, initially, when they first come into the agency, just to meet them and greet them, tell them a little bit about us as a charity and how we can help and really listening to their, for their story and, and how we can help them. I work with adults, young people, children, family groups as well. So all sorts of people from all sorts of work, uh, walks of life. Uh, so I'm Jess, and I come to this church. Um, I'm a bit different in that I'm 
doing psychotherapy. So I'm in my third year of doing a master's, uh, which means that this year I have my own private practice. And I got into it because I had some counselling and it made a real difference to me. And I really wanted to be someone that could do that for someone else. So that's right. Amazing. Thank you all. That's great. It's good. It's always interesting to hear a bit, a bit of background and actually leads nicely into my next question, um, which so you've alluded there to sort of there being like different types of counselling. And sometimes we hear these different words, don't we, like counselling or psychotherapy or... Um, or what's this cognitive behavioural therapy like different so what are the sort of how is it kind of what are the different types and how do we sort of work our way out work our way through that almost um well a really good way of dividing counselling and psychotherapy is a saying that is that if there's a problem with life you need some counselling and if life is the problem psychotherapy so that's a really generic way of mm. okay usually usually psychotherapy is longer um, you work with people longer. Um, I hate the word counselling, actually. Um, I prefer therapy um, because we never give advice. And very often people think if you're a counsellor, you give advice, but that's not what we do at all. We're just following the people in their process, um, which is a real honour. But yes, there are different modalities. Um, we're person-centred at Focus. Um, there are integrative counsellors, which integrate lots of different things, different ways of being and different ways of working. Cognitive behavioural therapy is very much about behaviour, changing behaviours. Um, psychotherapy is a much longer term work and that looks very much more into the sort of the, the childhood and everything. Um, and um, psychodynamic counselling is very much about um, looking at the transference, the, the stuff that goes on between the counsellor and, and the and the client. So there's lots of different ones, and it can be very confusing for people, actually. Um, when people turn up at our doors, sometimes they've been through various things, various different modalities, and it's difficult. Um, but I think you need to go somewhere where you know it's professional. Yeah, yeah. definitely, okay. Great, so psychotherapy may be longer term, that sort of deeper, deeper rooted sort of stuff, so you'd kind of, and then, um, but your approach at Focus is like that sort of person-centred, you were saying. Okay. Yeah. I think it's important to, if, because there are different terms around counselling or therapy, and I think it's important just to have a look and, and have a go. And I think a good therapist will allow you to come and see them just for a, a quick hour or half an hour just to see if that person is the right person for you and um, because all those names even I get confused and struggle to define this that and the other um, and I think it's really important that you feel understood you feel heard and I think when I go to to see a therapist that's what I'm looking for will that person really accept me no matter what don't really care what qualifications they have or what modality they use can I really? Can this person really meet me? And I think I strive to do that when I meet someone. Um, is yeah? Can we have these deep conversations together? Is there trust? Well, I guess if it's kind of it's relationship based, you have to be able to have a connection with that person, which ultimately, in some ways, maybe is more important than actually the type of therapy. If it's, it's just, can it, can you yeah build a relationship with that? Yeah. Yeah, and even within the psychotherapy, there's lots of different branches as well, but. What I practice is humanistic and integrative psychotherapy. So that's based, again, on those values, empathy, unconditional positive regard, but also taking into account other areas of knowledge from psychoanalysis and stuff like that. So it's being aware of lots of stuff, but the core thing is the relationship. Yeah, okay. 
Brilliant, thank you. Um, and then uh, some of the myths around counselling. So, you know, if you watch like a bad movie, you'll see someone lying on a couch. You know, the counsellor. So, if you type the best way is to type in like counselling into like a stock photo website. It's hilarious. You'll have everyone's got a clipboard. Um, you know, like how, how does that make you feel is every other question. So, I've, I've already said some of the myths. <laughs> but, but for all of you, what are those myths that you find coming up again and again that maybe some of us might hold? And, and what would you say to sort of either, you know, that might be true, or what would you say to kind of dispel them? So maybe, can we maybe take a myth each and, <laughs> and sort of try and, you know, say how true that is or dispel it? I think mine one is that I'm psychic and I can <laughs> mind read, <laughs> which is not true. <laughs> okay, so then you're not psychic, okay. <laughs> I think that, um, for me, that we've always got the answer. Okay. So th those two are the good ones. So what am I left with? Um, <laughs> so Jan's already said we don't give advice and we don't. We allow the other person to find their own solutions and we help them with that. Um, another one that I come across is, does counselling actually work? Am I, am I going to be wasting my time, wasting my money? And I think along with um, other helping ways of helping, like medication or personal training, for instance... It's, um, it's dependent on the relationship and on you as well. And some medications don't work, and to a lesser or greater extent, counselling will work. And it's about your readiness to, to change as well. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it's there are some of yeah, the myths. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, and how often do you say, how does that make you feel? All the time. <laughs> how does that make you feel, Joe? <laughs> well, I just... <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> you don't, okay. No. Okay, good to know. Um, I don't know why. I've not got a problem with that. Like, I probably ask other people that all the time, but yeah, you do sometimes. Yeah, I swear. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, great. And then a lot, uh, you, you've all sort of alluded to it in some way already, but I just wondered kind of how, how your personal faith has kind of shaped your approach or how that impacts what you do as a therapist. Is that the right word? Therapist? Therapist, yeah. All right. So I'm learning a lot. This is good. So I think my personal faith definitely rests on my relationship with with Jesus and my sense of being totally accepted, totally chosen by him, loved by him, being his beloved and having my identity firmly rooted in him. And I think that stems from myself of often me having a low sense of myself, a low opinion, and which has stopped me believing my worth and how that is different to how God sees me. And I suppose that's one of my aims is in the counselling room as a counsellor or therapist is to hopefully dispel that in other people and to show them they are worthy um, and to, I suppose, be, be Jesus' hands and feet in the room. <clears throat> I think probably Jesus was the greatest um, counsellor ever and um, I think everything that I do um, at Focus is rooted in him. Um, and um, at the beginning of Focus, when it all came into fruition um, all those years ago, was really about God leading me into this quite extraordinarily. So it's, it's been that journey forever for me. And I pray for my clients, not necessarily in the room. If we get Christian clients, they sometimes want to pray. But many, many of our accounts, uh, clients aren't um, Christians. Um, but I would still be praying for them before they come. Um, but, it might, but everything I do is rooted in in Jesus? That's a good answer. <laughs> um, I think how it affects me is that because I work longer term with people, and what's not talked about in my training is love. And love is part of connections with people. And I think that my faith gives me more capacity for that. And the relationships that I have with my clients are deep, deep, you know, really 
vulnerable relationships sometimes and also very close and intimate. So that definitely helps me with my relationships. Great, thank you. Um, so linked to that then, are there any sort of particular kind of strip scriptures that sort of inspire you or influence that? And Because I suppose it's, you know, it's a bit like we can't sort of, there are many things in our society now, aren't there, sort of 2,000 years later from, from when a lot of the Bible was written and, and it's not, you know, like Jesus was really struggling and so he went to see a therapist. You know, you don't, you don't kind of have like these concrete examples. So I just, and, and you know, I think we need to move away from necessarily having a Bible verse to justify everything as that's not, that's not where I'm going. But yeah, I wondered if there are scriptures that, that you think either inform a counselling approach or that, or that if there's a biblical kind of justification or narrative for counselling. Um, well, yeah, one that inspires me is that the lady, the bleeding woman that had the courage to touch the cloak, because I think most of what I do is based on a glimmer of hope that someone's got, that things can be different, and the courage to ask and reach out. So I think that's really significant for me. I think for me, it's the Ten Commandments, the greatest of these is love. And I think we're terribly, you know, we very often are too scared to say that we love our clients, but I actually do love my clients. Um, so for me, that's where mine comes from. Absolutely. And I think for me, it's James 2, 3, um, where it says mercy triumphs over judgment. And for me, that's paramount personally and also as a therapist. Awesome. Yep. Okay. Um, and then uh, linked to that again, how, I mean, maybe you can give some examples of this, but how do you think counselling can be used as a tool to actually sustain and support faith or you know not just christian faith but any faith like how does counseling sort of aid somebody in their spiritual life as well as sort of emotional life i think we seek as therapists to create a very safe space a confidential space where anybody can share their unedited stories with us that maybe they can't share with anybody else so friends and family can be very helpful but i think sometimes to share those places with a stranger, let's say, is really important. So there's no agenda, there's no sense of judgment. Um, and I think to, to talk about their issues of faith in that environment, in that space, I think is really important. Yes, and, and in fact, I would agree with Helen, but also, of course, a lot of our clients aren't coming from a spiritual background or wanting to at all. So it's, but that is really interesting when you work with people who are not coming from that and don't want that necessarily in their work. But I would still say that something, because of the therapeutic relationship, goes on. And I would describe that as, as spiritual, even though they may not even recognize that. But it's that being together, that relationship, that coming together, that is really special. Um, and I think we would name it in a different way to our clients who, who don't see it that way. Yeah, I agree. There are moments that do feel spiritual when you have a real connection with a client. But I also think that... Um, it was about supporting, sustaining faith, wasn't it? And I think that people that haven't had ideal relationships and therefore don't have self-love and love for others in ways that they can because of damage that's been done, by enabling them to look at those deep-rooted issues, it's going to improve relationship with themselves, others, and God. So it's, it will have benefits. Yeah. And I guess maybe for people who... And I know that's a few of us here, but... Um, maybe people who've had quite traumatic experiences within church and maybe there's kind of a, a barrier with faith or something that's almost, I guess, then counselling or, you know, some sort of talking therapy can help maybe overcome or process some of those experiences, would you say? Yeah, and there's, I think there's a danger 
within Christianity that we expect God to heal, which of course he can, but if we're not ready to take stuff to God, then that can promote a feeling of failure and distance, I think. So it's being able to look at what people need help with rather than the expectation that they can achieve it. And do you think there's, I think that's just an interesting point to pick up on about, you know, the healing side of it, really, that perhaps we, or, or in, you know, traditionally, we've perhaps wanted the quick fix for God to kind of zap us and then we're healed and actually, you know, talking therapies are the hard, long work of, I think it's um, Rachel Held Evans' quote that says something like, we're called to the, the difficult work of healing rather than cure or something, you know, that it's, it's not this sort of instant fix, that actually talking therapies about the kind of the long process of healing and, yeah, um, Okay. And yeah, what's, I mean, maybe if you don't mind saying a bit about that, because I think while that, you know, today's not about the theology of healing, that's probably another topic we need to look at. But, um, you know, has, has counseling shaped your understanding of how God heals or if God heals? Is, is that sort of impacted what you think about that at all? I think healing comes in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. And I think that um, some of our Christian clients would say that their counseling or therapy has healed them. Um, and they will be really honest and open about that. Some people will just say it's part, you know, feel it's part of their journey, um, and, and maybe healing comes later. Remember, we have to let go a lot of our clients, and we just don't know what's going to happen next. But um, we've got a lovely example at Focus at the moment. Someone who's come back to us, came to us as a child, and she's now volunteering for us, and is just amazing, absolutely amazing. So. That was a very long healing. That was many years ago, and you know she's grown into that healing. So it just comes in many different ways. But I do think that the clients that come are looking for a way through, and we're really honoured to, to be with them on that. Right. Good to go. Next one. Yep. I just wants to add something. Yep. I think my personal sort of journey of shame and feelings of insignificance were part of my identity in the church. It was not that the church was giving me shame, but I think that I felt that I couldn't be a certain person in the church because of a certain way that I had behaved or et cetera, et cetera. And it was through through Jan and the team, actually, at, at Focus, that actually helped me to realize that I am a human and these things are okay. Being broken is okay. And that has also led me back into hearing the gospel again, which is that he loves us all no matter what. And I think that, for me personally, was a really healing thing. Yeah, thank you. Great. So um, I mentioned that we, you know, we did this being human series, and I think self-awareness is this thing that just has kept coming up. So we've looked at it as a topic, but it's also been um, we had a, a guest speaker who talked about um, self-awareness as like a pathway to God, and that's almost like why you want to become more self-aware. Um, so I just wondered if if you can give sort of examples of maybe how counselling or if counselling has helped somebody increase their uh, self-awareness. Oh, I can't think of a time it hasn't. <laughs> I think okay. it's an inevitable part of yeah. working with someone and looking at stuff. But um, one particular client I've got came with a very tunnel vision view of life and becoming self-aware has made him able to see that there's parts of him and it's not always overwhelming and things like that so that's as a result of self-awareness I think yeah that makes sense that's great I think one of the greatest things I see in in the therapeutic relationship is sometimes that I call it a shift and there is something like the, the scales fall off and you can see your client really really understanding for the first time and you know then that the work is really going well. And they will often say, oh my goodness, yes. And, oh, it's wonderful. 
Right. <laughs> I think I remember a client a long time ago who, listening to her story, was the most devastating story I've ever heard. And I was sort of thinking, as a young counsellor myself, thinking, how am I going to help this person? I just got to love, and that's sort of my default position. And like Jan was saying, over time, and it was weeks and weeks and weeks, I saw that shift, and she eventually went from, I deserve to be abused, I deserve to be this kind of person, to actually, I'm an artist, and I can create. And she eventually started to put her, her pain into her art, and now she's displaying it in galleries. It's an amazing story of Incredible. triumph. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. So we're sort of moving into our last couple of questions. I just let people know that we are going to um, have an opportunity for you guys to ask some questions, but um, we're not going to do that as a kind of put your hand up and shout out loud. But I'll explain how we're going to do that in a minute. But just if there are things that are kind of, oh, I'd love them to ask that, um, just kind of, yeah, hold on to them and we'll have a chance to ask those um, shortly. So maybe you could say a bit about like who counselling is for, like, um, you know, what circumstances, who should consider counselling, do you think? Well, counselling is not exclusive, so it's for anybody at all. I think sometimes the money can put people off, so that's why, obviously, Jan started Focus, because it's affordable, so that's that barrier gone. I think anyone who, who feels there's an issue or a, a stuckness or a problem they want to, to figure out and are willing to hear that there is a possibility of change, just come. Um, it's, yeah, anyone can come. I think actually one of the myths going back to that is that you know um, you're mad if you need, if you need to go to, for counselling. Actually, you're not. You're really brilliant, and you're not. The last thing you are is mad if you come for therapy. So um, it's for everyone. And you know, some people who come to us are just coming because they just want to talk through something that's been going on that actually maybe may not feel that complicated, but they just want someone else to just travel with them on that. So it's not always, you know, huge stuff like, you know, terrible people, you know, people, poor people suffering with terrible mental health issues. It's sometimes actually there's been a breakdown in this relationship with a friend and I don't know what to do about it. Okay. And then just maybe it'd be helpful to say then what psychotherapy, you know, who, what, who should consider something like psychotherapy as opposed to another type of talking therapy? Um, yeah, I think psychotherapy isn't time limited. So you, you won't you won't just get a six or 12 week slot in most cases. Um, so people that want to work through longer term things or maybe more overwhelming issues, that might be the way to go. And to make, it can be expensive, but BCPC run a referral service, which offers pretty much half price psychotherapy for people that are training as well. So that's a good way. Yeah to go into that, yeah. Okay. And what was that, sorry, the... That's the it? BCPC, which is the Bath Centre for Psychotherapy and Counselling. <laughs> okay. They have a referral service on their website, so... Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, so it's good, it's good, please plug away for stuff, because it's useful yeah. for us to kind of yeah. go away and look at... Um, yeah, and then maybe link to that then, if, if someone's exploring counselling or considering that, what, where do they start? Because I, I know, obviously, you know, come to focus <laughs> um but yeah so that might be good to say a bit more about yeah how you would what should you look for in a counselor what kind of resources or websites would you recommend yeah where should people start if they're considering it yeah well for for psychotherapy um it would be that they're qualified with and they're registered with UK not necessarily qualified but registered with UKCP which is the national organization okay. which then promotes all the other safeguarding issues you, you know you're covered then so yeah um, a lot of our clients come to us anyway through Talking Therapies, which is the NHS referral service. So um, if, they, if, if they can't work with them long enough or whatever, they'll, they'll get referred into us. 
Um, so that got, comes up. But, um, but actually, there's websites, um, and we've got a website, and like BCPC, we work very closely with BCPC. Um, you know, so it, yeah, it's around there, but it, it can feel very difficult to find somewhere. But if you if you Google it, counselling in Bath, it will all come up on there. And then it is really about just going along for the initial assessment and seeing what you feel about it. It may not feel the right place, but that's fine. Um, yeah. Right. I think that Bath especially is flooded with therapists. I think if you look at the counselling directory or anything like that, you just see a list and list of faces with their qualifications, their accreditations and what they do, and it can feel overwhelming. I would say trust your instinct and then just maybe choose two or three either agencies or, or private therapists and just, just go meet them. Thanks. And it might be helpful, I know you said you do a lot of initial assessments. So what, can you say a bit more about what people can expect? So, you know, you might get in touch with Focus and say, I'd like to explore counselling, then you book an initial assessment. When you go for that, what does that look like? What could people expect? Yeah, so first of all, we get you in pretty quickly. So if we had a phone call, say tomorrow, we could get you in probably within two weeks for an, an initial assessment, which lasts about half an hour or so with either myself or Jan. And that's just a, a, a talk really between um, you and I about, um, will you hear a bit about focus? Do you hear what to expect um, from us? And then we also just hear about your story, so really what you'd like to explore in your therapy. And then we make a decision then about who you'd be best suited to work with. And again, I say at, at that point, if, if we match you with someone and you don't feel you get on with them, or you don't feel there's that relationship, that click, then you're very welcome to, to say, actually, I need, I need to see someone else. And what about you, Jess? Yeah, because I imagine that looks very different. Yeah, so because I'm in private practice, um, people will come, I will, off, the first session is an assessment for both of us to make sure that we could feel that we could both work together. Um, and it's talking through procedures and stuff, you know, all this client confidentiality, all of that stuff, but also getting a general fit of if we feel that we can build a relationship together. So, and on either side that might not look like it would work and then I would refer on if they w w wanted or um that hasn't actually happened to me but that, that would be the procedure yeah yeah okay great and then finally I th this, is, this is not on the list but I just um perhaps from a focused perspective and then you just as somebody that's part of our, our church here what are the what's what, as kind of people that that love and know you and want to support you both as you know Jess and, and focus as well how what are some of the ways that we can support and encourage you and help you in in what you do I think you can pray for us. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, just pray for us and, you know, spread the word. I mean, we are um, a Christian organisation, um, but we offer counselling for everyone. So, you know, you may have a friend or whatever, but, um, and we do have funding like BCPC has their referral service. We, we, do, we do have funding available for everyone. Um, we're very, very blessed in Bath, actually, for the funders that we've got. Okay. How about you, Jess? Um, yeah, I don't know, really, I'm quite happy. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, I'm, I'm good. Really, yeah. <laughs> that's good, so yeah, so praying for you guys, that would be, that'd be great. Okay, um, so yeah, it would be fantastic just to give everybody an opportunity to ask a question. So the way that we're going to do is obviously sometimes, you know, I, d I don't sometimes like putting my hand up in a big room of people and then shouting out a question, so we just thought we'd do this slightly differently. So Stephen, perhaps you just stick on a song, and just maybe for the length of a song, if you're um, at the front uh, two seats or the back two seats there's a, a whiteboard um, underneath your chair if you're kind of near that if you could just grab it 
And then basically, if you just kind of pass that around, if you've got a question, if you could write your question on the whiteboard, obviously just making sure that you leave space for questions to be added underneath. And then we're just going to pass it around, just let that happen for a few minutes, and then I'll come and collect them from the back. And then we'll, we'll look through those question, questions and answer as many as we can, probably for about sort of 10 minutes or so. Great. Okay, we're going to make a start again. So, um, yeah, if you want to grab seats and, and just finish those discussions, it would be great just to give um, yeah, the panel a chance to answer some of these wonderful questions. So thank you for those that have written stuff down and, um, yeah, engage with that. That's, that's fantastic. So, okay, first one says, I have a few friends who need and have said that, yes, I should or need to go to therapy, but then just don't. Um, or do you have any suggestions on getting them there? Um, and, and also... Second question is if they're not in Bath. So maybe let's start with that first. You know, somebody says, I need, I need counsel, but they just never go. What, what's, what advice would you give to kind of try and get them there? I think that ties in a bit with what we were saying, we, um, just in that bit, really, that people have to be ready to take on the work. And although it, it might be helpful to encourage people, sometimes therapy can be quite uprooting and an upheaval. So... Maybe if they're not doing it, maybe there's a voice in them saying they're not quite ready yet. That would be my... Yeah, we would agree. I definitely, well, we definitely agree with that. We, and actually, if, if the person is not ready, they may come for the assessment and then they won't turn up for the counselling or the therapy. Yeah, so it is about... But it is about, you know, really encouraging that person and, and really saying to them, you know, that this is really going to help... It doesn't have to be a pressure when you feel ready, but just to sort of very slowly, just keep dropping it in, and, and eventually they, they, they will be ready. Yeah. Okay, mm. great. Mm. Yeah, I think the amount of times I've heard people say it's taken me nine months to get to this point is there are so many of those times, so it's normal. So just to normalise, and it's fine, because that is part of the process as well. Yeah. Okay, real. Yep. Um, would there be a time limit on appointments? That might again be different. So I think with focus, because we are a charity and we do depend on the whole donation, so we do time limit if there's a donation. So if they if they don't, is it fair? Yeah, it's difficult actually. So we we do charge. There's always a donation, and the full amount is forty five pounds. And if you pay that, then it's fair to say that you can have as much as you need. So I've sometimes seen people for two or three years. Um, and if you're funded, so if anything below that point, so if you donate 30, 20, et cetera, then we do have to limit those sessions. I know it sounds a difficult conversation. I feel difficult saying that, but because we're a charity, we have to, so that's part of the business side of things. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where we're at with it. I would also say that, actually, if, if somebody is on now funding, and we have quite complicated funding streams, so that actually we can help everyone, um, we would never finish their counselling if we felt that that was going to be dangerous to them. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And what about the actual, so, the kind of appointment themselves? Because I know, like, NHS, sometimes it's, like, 50 minutes, isn't it? Or yeah. So, is that about the kind of... 55 minutes, yeah. Session? Yeah, yeah. 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 And what about the psychotherapy, just maybe on both those points? Yeah, so there isn't a time limit with psychotherapy, but okay. the the length of the treatment will be talked about in an ongoing way. So there will be an ending. It won't just be a decision. Um, and they're 50-minute sessions, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, how and do you refer people on to other groups? Um, well, I'm still under supervision. So if I feel that I can't take a client, then I speak to my supervisor and my supervisor recommends. Right. 
what to do with that. So I'm okay. covered. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, um, so obviously at Focus we have some more experienced counsellors than others, so when Helen and I do the assessments, we'll be very careful where we place everyone. And because we do children and young people as well, and we have to be very careful who we place with, and we can only place with our trained um, children's therapists. Or, um, so, you know, it is complicated, but we know how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think also that we are the last place often for people being referred. So like Jan was saying, often people go to their GP, GP takes them to Bain's Talking Therapies, and Bain's Talking Therapies um, re refer to us. So we tend to be like the cul-de-sac, if you like. Um, and the rare occasions where we do feel actually we, we've taken them to their nth um, point and we can't take them any further, which I can't, there's not many cases like that, then we, we just do a gentle referral with them, so it's a conversation really about, you know, do you think that we need to refer you on to this group or that group that we feel might have a specialist interest in what your, what your problem is, what the concern is? Yeah, okay. Great, That's a really good question. Um, are there any therapies where you don't sit and chat, like if you prefer to walk and talk? I think there's probably every therapy under the sun out there if you look for it. And I really like the actual walking and talking idea. Um, and I think it can be very therapeutic. It's also quite difficult to hold it, though, because um, it's not a contained space. But I'm pretty sure that if you Googled it, you'd probably find someone that was offering it. And I know that obviously there's things like music therapy. Um, equine therapy. Yeah, there's, there's a few yeah. different types of therapies that, that involve more practical, like, like art therapy and things yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 And for our children, because some of our children are quite young, um, we play, so it's play therapy. Yeah, yeah. Mm, and they don't want to talk at all. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how appropriate this next bit is, but I'm going to put it in anyway. Let's just be, you know, out there. But when I was training, um, I heard a story from from someone. They said that um, in Africa, someone said, you know, you guys in the West are so weird. He goes, when when you when you have problems, you you take the person away from their family and friends. You put them in a dark room. You shut the door, and you just talk about their problems. He said, in Africa, we, we gather the village together in the sunshine and we dance and shout all the problems out. And I was like going, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I know it's not very appropriate, but I think I get that. Go on then, Helen, you start and we'll, uh, we'll join. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and maybe how, like, our, how our Western approach shapes our counselling approach sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also do think that green therapy is really, really good. There's a lot more of this going on, and we, we work with an organisation that does green therapy, and that is fantastic, particularly with people who are really suffering from terrible depression and, and mental health issues. Just getting out and, and doing green is just fantastic, in, and they're doing gardens and lots of walks and, and all sorts of things like that. It's really, really good, really good for mental health. Yeah, brilliant. Um, okay, so we, we're sort of coming to a close, but just um, one more question, then a couple of things. People have just said comments, um, more than more than questions to be helpful. So um, Bath and North East Somerset Council offers free counselling course and sessions through their website. Um, and there's also the BACP counselling directory, which again, you can find by, by looking on their website. So it's the um, is it British Association of Counselling something something like that yeah <laughs> and like very thanks um so yeah just two places to sort of look sorry Janet. yes yeah, certainly baines does offer for you, but very often we're finding that people end up with us and they've only had three sessions of counseling yeah it's always going to there's always going to be yeah. yes yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah okay so then final question it's a biggie 
but it's, it's a meaty good question, I think, to end on. So where does the church need to reassess its message? So perhaps maybe in light of some of the being human stuff we've been looking at, about you know, that, that sometimes it's the church says you're bad and you're sinful and, you're, and that maybe doesn't align with that so sort of message of love and that person-centered approach that you've all talked about. So, yeah, what do you think about how the church maybe needs to reassess um, some of its messages? I think the church needs to stop projecting onto the congregation and we all need to take ownership of where we are and when we can't deal with things we need to look outwards and not inwards and try and deal with it together yeah I think the perception for a lot of non-Christians is that the church is very judgmental and we see that in the work that we do I can assure you of that so what I would say to the church and I'm in a wonderful church that is very loving but um but we need to love and we need to stop judging and we need to it really invite everyone through our doors. And that's what it's all about. And that's what Jesus would do. Yeah. Bridge. Yep, that was good. We'll get you back, Jan, to do a full, full preach at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the story, isn't it, of the woman caught in adultery, I think. And that sense of Jesus didn't judge. He just carried on writing in the sand where everyone wanted to because it's based in the law. I think we just need to go back to the gospel yeah. As simple as that. Yeah. Well, what a, a lovely, um, yeah, sentiment to end on. But yeah, there's there's one more. We're going to hear from somebody in the congregation in a minute, which would be fantastic. But I thought um, before we do that, can we just maybe thank these guys with a round of applause just to say for that input? It's been great. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.